What is up, folks? It is Dan Rojas here with another Takeover Podcast. And today, I am delighted, I am overjoyed to have my good friend Corinne on with me on this podcast to tell you tell you guys a little bit about her history is is that I remember when Corinne joined our office, right? She had she had done a deal with Gil and and I guess there were some hiccups during that deal. And I remember watching her come in. She was a little on the timid side. And now fast forward two years and we've got her teaching like script calling, cold calling uh, classes at 9.30 a.m. Actually, the first one started this week, Monday. So without further ado, welcome Corinne to the show. Awesome, Dan. I'm super, super grateful to be here. Thanks so much for having me. It's crazy how much time has just flown by, right? And you're right. I tell you, you know, it's, it's, I've always remembered you, right? Because when you came in, it's, it's you, you had something about you, right? That you noticed that you're like, okay, I noticed her, but she's so quiet and reserved. And then out of, not necessarily out of nowhere, you went and hit top 35 under 35 in Orlando. And this past year you did 18.1 mil, which is what brings us to today, right? I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. Tell us about your journey on how how it started, right? So tell us about how you first felt when you first joined the group, how you came in, um, and let's we're going to talk about your growth today because it's 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 amazing to see these types of accomplishments done in less than two years' time, right? So let's talk about the beginning. Absolutely. Well, to start off, before I was in the real estate industry, I was a real um, sorry, I was an insurance agent. So I did home auto and business um, sales for two and a half years. And all I was doing was contacting and growing relationships with lenders and realtors. So I realized I really liked the realtor end of things. So my previous mentor actually saw, he saw something in me I didn't quite see in myself. So he got me licensed, pushed me to get into real estate. And I started at um, a small boutique broker before I got into the Alliance group. And out of all of the houses, my first buyer that they wanted to buy, they wanted to buy Gil Ramos's listing, which he doesn't really list too much then. So I really felt it was very fate driven and we got into the Alliance group. So um, I started at the end of 2019, really hitting the ground running, um, joined the joined a team that was providing me leads. Um, so I was just calling a lot of internet leads just because I'm not from the Orlando area. So I don't really have a sphere here. So uh, whenever I always tell agents, whenever they start, if you this isn't where you grew up and you don't really have a lot of people or your own kind of big identity here, it's really, really important to join a team and have that culture and foundation for yourself to just really take off the ground running and not do it by yourself. So that's exactly what I did, because that's what my previous mentor and other agents that I worked for, um, talked to before, advised me to do. Um, so year one, of course, we had COVID. So I was like, Great. <laughs> that was my start into year one in real estate. Like I remember, I still remember, I don't know if you remember the meeting where Gil was like, this is going to be the, the last greatest year ever. He said that in January, we got shut down for a few months, come back in June. He's like, remember when I said that I take it back. And I'm like, yep. <laughs> so, but it really was such a great year because it opened up a lot of eyes and opened up my eyes. I mean, the people who really wanted to push through the winter was going to see a lot of fruit of their labor come out the years after. So I really feel like that's what really projected me into year two. So in year one, I just really felt like I identified what I was good at. I was good at working with buyers. I was good at building relationships. Um, I realized I didn't like door knocking. Um, I didn't put flyers out on doors. I didn't want to call FISBOs and uh, call for sellers. I've always been told start with buyers first, at least for me. And I realized I was good at it. And I stuck with my niche, did that in open houses and grew my pipeline and kind of my uh, tribe that way. So fast forward into year two, obviously you have X amount of deals under your belt, a lot more experience, a lot more confidence that you grow. 
Um, and obviously last year, first year, we didn't want any, no one wanted to go outside. And then 2021, everyone wanted to go outside. <laughs> so yeah, I got yeah. slapped in the face with two different types of years, but we still had low interest rates and it was all about adapting. So I felt like I just really had to adapt both years onto what the market was doing at that time and take what I had and run with it. So that's really what I did the first two years. And I felt like that's what really helped me stand out and strive through everything. What was working for me year one wasn't working for me year two and roles reverse. So that's where I meant adapting was super important. Um, so for year two, with all that stuff under my belt and everyone wanting to go outside and buy homes, now we're stuck with more obstacles. How do you win in a multiple offer situation with 60 offers? How are you selecting what buyers uh, you had to be more selective with who you were working with or making sure that you have had tough conversations a little bit early on instead of just showing a bunch of homes and then having that conversation. You just wanted to ask a lot more questions earlier, which is what we should have always been doing. So this taught me this is what we should be doing. But this was the reality check. I think a lot of agents needed to show you have to have those tough conversations in the beginning uh, just because you couldn't have, there wasn't time to waste last year. And it's going to be the same this year. I'm curious to see what this year's market's going to be like, because now we're having interest rates go a little bit back up. So every year it's just adapting. But in regards to um, the growth, I just feel like the consistency of it, the sticking with my niche, um, just uh, being very, very authentic to who I am and trying really connecting and cultivating with people on just a different level is really what upped my growth. I feel like the most, I did that a lot in insurance and I just took what I did there, poured it into a different group with just different things to learn. So that's the best way in a nutshell I can describe it. So, you know, you touched on so many amazing points. And the first one I picked up real quick was the way you described joining a leads team because most agents, right, they come in and they're like, oh, I need leads, 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 leads. But the thing that you said, which is what I love, is the fact that you said, listen, if you're a new agent, you need to join a, a team because of the culture and the foundation was what you said. And that I can't stress enough how important that is because anybody can give you leads, right? I mean, and mm -hmm. leads are, you know, we both know some leads are good. Some leads are garbage. Some are bad phone numbers. It's just the way it works, right? But the reality is it's you're building a culture and foundation of experience and knowledge because then you you rolled into that part. And I think that that is so important because a lot of people, they see this quote unquote overnight success, right? And they don't know what it actually took to get there, right? They don't know the experiences, the hardships that you've gone through, the adjustments, the shifts. Um, let's talk about the conversations, the hard conversations that you're having now with your buyers. What does that sound like? What does that look like? I, I want to emphasize that because you know this this podcast is both for agents and for clients right and so sometimes our clients they get in their own head and they don't understand where the market's at so what are some of the hard-hitting questions or conversations that you're having seeing let's say today right uh with your clients that you got to have because it's not fun right now for a buyer's agent let's be real it's not it was fun three years ago it was fun two years ago i mean we're still doing okay, which is great, but it's the, the, the system is different. The, the process is different. Let's talk about those conversations. Absolutely. So of course we've always been taught, especially in our group, be more curious. Um, so that's what I have been doing a lot more, like I'd say times 10 now. I was always curious, but not in a way where I wanted to step on anyone's toes too early, but now I don't really care. So it's good for me to ask those questions because I always tell my clients, listen, your time is valuable. So is mine, but right now they're the client. Their time is valuable. So if I make their time valuable, it's going to make my time valuable. Because if I'm asking them the right questions 
and we end up finding out they don't have good credit or they have no money saved. They have no gifts from family. They're not even working. Why would I take them to show them a bunch of homes and waste their time when they can't even get anything? So at the end of the day, they're going to look back at me and well, they should, and they should say why well, we should have known this from the beginning. So I, the way I go about it is like, listen, I'm asking you these questions because I don't want to, your time is valuable and I don't want to waste your time. Cause right now how quick the market's going to time is money. So if we're not actually preparing what you need to be prepared, whether it's I have clients, you have to work a little bit on credit or save a little bit more money and doing that early on. And we're going to do it last minute. Now we're missing opportunities out there that we could have jumped on if we would have started that sooner. So I always dig into, and the way I bring it up is not because I want to choose if I do or don't want to work with you. I already established in the beginning, I want to help you. If your goal and your energy is, I want to become a homeowner. I want to invest in myself and my family. I want to help you reach that goal. I do not care if it's three years down the road, three months down the road, we're going to do it together. And I'm just going to make sure you know what you're doing now. So when you go at it at that avenue, I feel like they accept it a lot better that this is all just super strategic to make sure that I'm getting you with all the right contacts if you need it. I'm getting you with the right lender, credit repair person, even in, even down to your handyman, appraisers, inspectors, all that after, but that you have that, and you know, you have that with me. So that would be the top questions I'm always asking. And I also tell people I love knowing what they do for work. I mean, my job revolves around real estate. I don't want to talk about real estate all the time. Let's talk about what you do for work. How long have you been doing it? What's your passion? What's your story? Because if they talk about how all they're doing is working to get up to the job they really want, and that tells me they want to level up. And you could do the same thing with homeownership. My goal is to be your realtor from the start to the finish, not for one deal, but for all deals. So if we're growing, we're growing together and we're building wealth and financial freedom together. And that's how that conversation goes. And I feel it goes over very, very well. And it's funny because the way you approach it is so human-like, right? Because a lot of people, especially agents, you know, we tend to get in this robotic mindset of script on script on script. And it's, it's unbelievable how a lot of agents lose focus along the way. But as we know, curious agents make way more money, right? It's funny you mentioned this because even I had to learn that fact, right? When I was, when I first started, I remember closing like one of my deals and my wife looked at me and she's like, what does your client do for a living? And I was like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> she was like, they just bought a house with you for like half a million and you have no idea what they do for, for a living. And I was like, uh, maybe I should ask a few more questions. Right. But the reality is these are just conversations, right? That you just, you know, curious agents make more money. And the reality is it's because we're not wasting anybody's time. And that's, mm -hmm. and that's the biggest point because you're right. So many people come to us and they're like, I want a house. And then they've got no assets. They've got no income. They've got nothing saved up and nobody that'll co-sign for them. And then they're like, well, why can't I find a house? I'm like, I mean, it's not 2006, 2007 where they were giving everybody four houses with no, no verification of income whatsoever. Right. Times are changing. And let's talk about those because this year it's going to be interesting. So interesting. interest rates are already up. Right. I mean, they're not up that much, but they're looking with the inflation to go up and they're saying that uh, who knows what's going to happen at the end of this year. But the reality is, is what do you what are your thoughts? Because I would like to get other agents thoughts like on market, what's going to happen? What is your take on what's going to happen by the end of this year, beginning of uh, 2023? So I want to answer your question in two ways, how you're asking me and how a client asked me. So let's start with you. For you personally, even though I've been in the industry two years, I've learned a lot and I've leveraged off of people who've been in the industry for 30, 40 years. So I've talked to them and just discussed previous market trends. So I personally think with the interest rates going up, 
we're obviously going to see a lot less demand of just the median price point, which is 200 to 300,000 now currently, just because it's going to make um, homeownership a lot affordable. But also, people have been hearing the hype the past two years. So I also think that could be a fair mix. People have been saving, they make more money in their jobs now. Um, rent is just going to rent, if anything, is still going to be the same price. So hopefully people still have that mindset that owning is still better. And they know that that rate could change in the future. So I think rates are going to go up, which might lessen the demand. We're obviously trying to keep up with more inventory. Obviously, we have Zillow. We know it's getting more homes on the market. Uh, new construction learned a big lesson in 2020 to 2021, how they have to do things, which was put people on wait list, be very selective of who they're picking and uh, build on time and not have all these delays with all the other delays of cost of, of labor materials. So I just personally think things are going to probably stay the same. Uh, not some, not something of a big shift that we're going to feel like into this year and last year. So I think this year might be a repeat of last year, but obviously we learned a lot from last year, uh, except now we have higher interest rates and higher mortgage payments. So hopefully what that does is just make our past clients a little bit more thankful that they bought at the time that they bought. And they understand the true difference between a percent and interest could be a few hundred dollars just on a mortgage, if not more. Um, so to answer your question, when a client asks me that, because I get that question a lot, and I'm sure you do, mm-hmm. I always like to start it off like this, because they go, what do you think is going to happen in the future? What if we have another crash? What if this? And I tell them, listen, I cannot predict the future. No one can. But I can tell you what's been happening in the past, off of the past 30, 40 years since 1970, where we have interest rates of 18%, but houses at $70,000. So where there's supply, there's demand. I also go over with them in 2008. It was not pandemic related. This was related to them handing mortgages out without verifying in- income. I could walk in and say, hey, Dan, I make a million dollars. Can I get a million dollar mortgage? Sure, Corinne. Here you go. Awesome. Thanks. That was it. That was a bad idea. We learned our lesson from them. So lenders now, it's, I tell them, I'm like, it's difficult to get yeah. a mortgage. Do you know that? And they're like, well, I mean, I will talk to my bank and they already gave me a letter. I'm like, did they collect your documents? Did they run your credit? Did they like go over your income and your past year's tax returns? No. I'm like, well, I'm going to do you a favor and save you a bunch of headaches and money. You're going to talk to my lender and you're actually going to get verified before you buy a house. Because when you go out looking out for houses, you're setting yourself up to find a deposit, pay for an inspection and appraisal, which could easily cost a few thousand dollars of that alone. Do you want to lose that? Yes or no? Of course, the answer is no. So I always just tell them it's based off trends. All we've seen trends is what dips we've had. Things have always gone back up. So if your goal is to own something and own it for the next minimum five to 10 years, who cares what the market's going to do? It's going to go down it'll go back up. If it goes down, it's going to go back up. If you're trying to flip, that's a different story. But still, even that, we can't predict the future. We can just go off of the past. So that's the way I answer both those questions. But at the end of the day, it's still always better to own and rent. If you're ready, willing, and able, all the stars align. You're, I call it green light ready, meaning red, yellow, and green. So got people red, bad credit, no money, get them to yellow, get them to green. Then if we find the right opportunity, let's do it. And I always project to them, your home is not your forever home sometimes. A lot of people, I don't think I've actually worked with anyone, have you, Dan, that have actually realistically stayed in their home for over 30 years? It's uh, No, no, obviously. I mean, I've only been doing this for, for what, like four or five years now. But it's but you're right. I only uh, Out of all my clients, I only have probably two that I know for a fact will never leave. And they, they'll probably see this episode, too. And he's going to be like, he's right. I put in a pool. <laughs> I extended my lot. I just put in a dock. You know who I'm talking to, but he'll never <laughs> leave. And I would never, I would, I mean, that house is such a stunning house. Why would you, right? But I probably only have about, 
a handful of clients that I know for a fact are actually going to stay in their house for the next 30 years. Everyone else is the same way. You're right. They're like, oh, five, 10 years, I'm going to upgrade or I'm going to change or I'm going to relocate. I had a client uh, this year already. Uh, called me up and said, um, said, hey, you know what? I, I need to relocate. I was like, we just bought this house like a year and a half ago. He's like, moving to Texas. I was like, but this is your dream house. He's like, find me a dream house in Texas. And I was <laughs> a year and a half in. I was like, all right, let's do it. So you're right because circumstances change. It's not just the market, it's people's lives. And so some people don't really take into account how, how important it is to keep that mindset of like, listen, things are going to change no matter what, right? The circumstances, it's always better to own than to rent because you're putting the money back in your pocket as that equity grows. And that's that's a fact, right? So it doesn't matter whether the market tips are a little bit here and there. You know, the reality is I was just looking, I was just talking with you before we got on the show that I was looking for a client and there was two properties available for my client within a 30 mile right radius of what she was looking for. And you were you said to me, you were like, oh, well, what about Winter Haven? She can go that far. And I'm like, that's the ticket, right? Is getting them to understand that if this is, if this is the way the market is, it's not going to change anytime soon, at least not here in Central Florida. There's nothing available. I mean, we're fighting for homes. There's still 20, 25 offers per home right now. And until until more inventory hits the market, then we'll you know start changing the tone and the tune uh, of what's going on, really. So I agree. Absolutely. And I mean, it's one of those things. It's just educating. I did the same thing when I was in insurance and I do it here. I mean, I work, work talk to so many people who don't know that you don't have to put down 20% to buy your first home or that you don't, ha you can live in your home for at least a year and then you can rent it out. And so there are things like that. People don't know when they find that out, it's kind of like, huh, this isn't so bad, especially all my clients love all my clients who have kids. I'm like, listen, guys, good news. You can get rid of the house. You can't get rid of the kids. So if you have kids, you got this. <laughs> That's funny. Um, Corinne, real quick, uh, I always like to end these segments with a little bit about what new agents can do right away to amplify their business, to generate more business. So what's like one or two of your favorite pro tips to give newer agents that they can implement, like something simple that they can implement right away to start generating more business or at least more buzz. So let, let us know what you got on that. Cause I know you've got some, some secret magic here, right? <laughs> it's so simple, but it's true. But let's not talk about lead teams or who you're on or anything like that. Just if you were by yourself, open houses, hands down are the best things to do to start your business. I mean, you sit in a house and people come to you. And if you're doing them twice a week, every weekend, or even two a day, four times a weekend, you can bring in some good buyers and they're, and those are free buyers. And so that's number one. I, oh, I did that every weekend, twice a weekend for almost a year when I started real estate. Um, and it brought me a lot of really good closings, good clients and clients I call friends now. Um, and then another thing is, is really leverage your sphere. No, I'm not from here, but I have a huge following Facebook, Instagram. We're not going to go into Snapchat and Twitter, but Facebook and Instagram, just contact every person, you know, Hey, I'm in the industry. I'm super excited to grow my business. If you know anyone, please let me know. Leverage your team too if you're on one or whoever you're partnering with. I never believe when you start your new agent. I tell every agent that joins under me, tell these tell tell everyone that we work together. We're partners. Every deal I've done, you're a partnership with that. And you're never new anymore because we all have to start for new. I personally was never faulted. Hey, you're too new in the industry. I'm not going to work with you. I never did that because I didn't show that I was new. I showed that I worked with a very professional team that I was professional, that I was going to care about their family the way they would care about their family, and that I wanted to connect with them on a different level. So top two things, open houses and reaching out to your top 100 when you first start to get business going right away. 
I love it. You need to learn as an agent how to shameless plug yourself. And I'm going to actually shameless plug you because tomorrow we've got you on the masterclass for Orlando Real Producers at 9.30 a.m. at Harry Buffalo in downtown Orlando. She's going to be giving away more secrets because, again, top 35 under 35 right here. Take advantage of the knowledge, guys, because, you know, Corinne is one of those. She's, she's so open and so transparent. And I love that about her. That's why I brought her on the show because I was like, listen, this is going to fit perfectly. But the reality is you guys got to be around the right people. You got to surround yourselves with the right producing agents, right? Because that's where you're going to learn the most. That's where we all get our education from. So Corinne, thank you very much for being here with me today. I will be there personally tomorrow morning. I'm dragging a whole bunch of agents over there. So we're, we're going to be there to support you. And I'm sure I'm going to text Aaron a bunch of questions to, to put you guys on the spot tomorrow. Oh, yes. Please just everyone pray I don't fall. That's my biggest fear. But we won't. Even if we fall, we'll get back up. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll be good. We'll just make, just make sure you watch your feet. Don't look up at the lights. Right. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, no, it was a fantastic time. Appreciate you. And we'll see you guys on the next episode. Take care, guys. Bye, guys.